Welcome to Valley Community Church. Our Sunday sermons are available online to help you grow in your Christian faith. Our messages are practical and applicable truths from the Bible for today's life challenges. And now, Senior Pastor David Schmaltz. Well, today I want to talk to you about peace. <clears throat> Duke University did a study on what is the peace of mind in talking to many different people, interviewing them, getting ideas from people, what they would consider is a peace of mind. And the factors found to contribute greatly to emotional and mental stability are eight here, and I'm going to list them real quickly. What they found was, number one, the absence of suspicion and resentment. That makes sense, doesn't it? Nursing a grudge was a major factor in unhappiness. Number two, not living in the past. An unwholesome preoccupation with old mistakes and failures leads to depression. Number three, not wasting time and energy on conditions you cannot change, learning to cooperate with life instead of trying to run away from it. Number four, force yourself to stay involved with the living world. Resist the temptation to withdraw and become reclusive during periods of emotional stress. Number five, refuse to indulge in self-pity. When life hands you a raw deal, accept the fact that nobody gets through life without some sorrow and misfortune. Number six, cultivate the old-fashioned virtues of love, humor, compassion, and loyalty. In other words, the lack of those things would bring in a lack of peace of mind. Number seven, do not expect too much of yourself. When there is too wide a gap between self-expectation, your ability to meet the goals you've set, those feelings of inadequacy will be inevitable. A self-centered, egotistical people, I'm sorry, self-centered, egotistical people scored the lowest on the test for measuring happiness. And then finally, they found, find something bigger than yourself to believe in, which I found very interesting as far as a solution, one that we could agree with, one perhaps that many of those who were uh, interviewed found way too late. But today I want to talk to you about the pathway to peace. You know, counseling and spending time with people, I begin to find that that is something that's very elusive for us, as whether it be just Americans or, or human beings. But people, just like our video here, we're, we're on a grinder, we're, we're, we're constantly going through the motions of what we're expected to do, to pay the bills, to maintain relationships, and it just seems like one thing after another keeps getting added on. And of course, what they found in Duke University includes an incredible amount of truth when it comes to the negativity. But today I want to share with you really a very, what I would consider a pretty comprehensive study in, in from the scriptures on how do we find that pathway to peace. So, of course, many of us can identify with the negative things, the things that we know that can stir that up, especially when we think of rehearsing struggles and holding grudges and things like that. So let's look right at it. Let's take a few steps. I'm going to give us four steps this morning to finding that pathway to perfect peace. Number one, God's will is and always has been for us to live in peace. That's one thing we've got to know. We've got to understand, believe it, and have confidence that God wants us to live in peace. And we'll talk about that. But it was his heart from the beginning for God's people to live in it. We know that in Scripture, that God... Uh, created Adam and Eve to be living in an amazing garden. He didn't put them in a desert. He didn't put them in a chaotic zone. He didn't put them in a place where they would suffer. No, he put them in a place of incredible peace. That was God's heart. 
That was his desire from the very beginning, for them to enjoy fellowship with one another, fellowship with creation, and of course, fellowship with God. In Isaiah chapter 48, verse 18, God says this prophetically through Isaiah, if only you had paid attention to my commands, your peace would have been like a river, your well-being like the waves of the sea. And so God said, that's what I wanted you to have. But because you rejected it, because you walked away from it, and I think perhaps we still do, we experience, God says, I want your peace to be like a river. That's what God wants for us, to be flowing and just, just like an, an awesome river, constantly coming into our life, never having those feelings that it's gone. Where did it go? God wants it to be constant. Isaiah 54, verse 13, it says, though the mountains be shaken, and the hills be removed. Yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken, nor my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord, who has compassion on you. So God, we know, loves us. God is for us. It's always been God's heart for us to experience peace from the very beginning and ongoing. As a matter of fact, we know that since that fall, that God has been pursuing this, that God wants to have that kind of relationship once again, heart to heart, soul to soul, experiencing that, that oneness, that connection with him, and having peace deep in our hearts. Now, we're going to talk about what that peace really is. But the point is, God wants us to have it. And then in Luke chapter 2, verse 14, we find out that God uh, had the solution to that peace. And in Luke 2, of course, the famous Christmas story, and, and, and the angel comes down, or the angels, the host of angels, say, glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. And that's a very wonderful promise, but it's very full of wonderful theology. And that is that God has always wanted us to have that peace, that God has restored that peace, but that peace only comes upon those on whom his favor rests. You need to think about that. And upon whom does his favor rest? Well, we're going to get into that. So step two, ultimately, to answer the question, our peace comes from God. So not only is what peace, peace is what God wanted us to have, he is the source of peace. And that is critical to remember. Critical. So let's look at it. Peace comes from God. All other things men do will ultimately produce an empty soul, a lean soul. We talk about that in counseling from time to time. Talk about the leanness of soul. And that's sometimes why we seek it out. We find that we're, we're, our soul is running is thin. We don't have the kind of peace. We, we feel that, th that there's chaos going on inside us. We feel restless. We feel that we're not settled. We can't have that time that we used to enjoy face-to-face -face with God. We can't enjoy the good things that God has given us. There is this, this underlying, underlying unsettled sense. But what we come to realize is that we're seeking peace, we're seeking joy, we're seeking fulfillment in all the wrong things. Because those with things which are earthly and those things which are here on this earth are temporary. Anything other than God will not produce the kind of peace we're really, really looking for. It's, here's, here's a good point or a good something to think about. It's design. We are designed in order to receive one kind of peace that's lasting. Just like anything else. Just like plants need water. Just like certain things need sun. Just like engines need oil. We only run right on the peace that comes from God. 
Anything else that we use will begin to wear us down. Anything else we use will bring breakdown and malfunction in our lives. Look at Isaiah 26, verse 3. You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. The biblical writers here, Isaiah in particular here, has discovered a truth. And he's saying, look, I am only going to find peace when my mind is stayed on you. In the King James, it says, you will keep in perfect peace him whose mind is stayed on you. And I love that. That's the way I memorized it when I was a young man. When my mind is stayed on him, when I'm thinking about him and processing him through every decision that I make, every struggle that I have, everything that is going on in my life, including my family, my past, my present, and my future, when it, is complete, when it is cycled through him, when it's brought to him, when it's thought, when I, when I constantly bring it to him and I keep my mind stayed on him, then I will be, lead, be led to perfect peace. That's good stuff, isn't it? It really is. But it's something that I feel like, which is the reason why I'm, I'm sharing this today, is something I think we as Christians continue to struggle with. And it's because we're learning, we're growing, we're being discipled. And a lot of times we don't know what we really need until we don't have it. Or maybe we've tried it a little bit or we wander away. We have the glitter, the glitz. We have the loud noise. We have all of those things which are in this world that promise us peace, that promise us joy. And it's just like, you know, something that is packaged, that's, that, that's full of all the things that are not good for you that we just tear open and we eat for breakfast and it, and it satiates at first. It's sweet, it's good, it goes down good, but in the end, it doesn't help us. In the end, it lacks nutrients. In the end, it's full of the kind of stuff that could give us diabetes or, or give us cancer or, or, or just hurt us in many different ways. And that's what the world represents. It's a counterfeit. It's a counterfeit, and it does not satiate. But when we keep our minds stayed on him, then there is a filling up of the soul that happens. There is a, 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 is what Paul described is that sense of contentment. I'm no longer wrestling with what I don't have, but I'm being contented with what I do have. And extracting joy. It's like watching my sons when they're, or my daughters or when they were small, I'm thinking of Andrew right now because he's right at that age where you just say, go outside, man, you know, no more computers. We limit screens, the time that he's on screens, you know, uh, judiciously. And so when, when there are those times when you've got a beautiful day, it's just outside you go, buddy. And, and, and he may not have toys, but the other day I walked up on him and he was making his own bow and arrow out of sticks and rocks. And man, he's just as happy as you can be. Just as happy as he can be. And, and that just makes me think about how life is so much. That how if we can just look what God has given us and put us in, in, in front of us, creativity takes off. And we can enjoy that which give, God has given us and, in, 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 in probably more importantly what he has not given us. So we know from Scripture that peace was restored. God says, I'll keep you in perfect peace if you, you keep your mind on me. Isaiah Chapter 53, verse 5 says that the solution came, in, or well, it was prophesied in its coming there in Isaiah 53. He says, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. 
The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. So what we find is there is a solution, my friends. Talking about a problem doesn't help us at all. But finding a solution really, really does. And God provided the solution. When men walked away from God, Adam and Eve disobeyed God, all of mankind were led into a, 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 uh, an era, an epoch, an, an epoch of time that men were without God. And all that they did was wickedness to him. It fell short. But God had a solution. God was going to make a new covenant with man, a covenant that he was going to pay for. All we have to do is say yes. And it says here, it was prophesied this is what God was going to allow happen. He was going to send his son. He was going to be pierced through his hands and feet. He was going to be crushed under the weight of accusation and mockery and the, the kind of death as a criminal that he was going to die. And then that punishment that he did not deserve, all that punishment was our punishment that he took upon himself. And it was to one end, and that was to get us peace. So when we think, believers, when we're in those places and we're not experiencing peace, it's like God has done an amazing thing to purchase peace for us. And if we're not collecting, if we're not enjoying, it's very much like, you know, uh, having something that's been purchased in full for us, but we're not taking advantage of that which has been purchased for us. It's somebody buying you a new car, parking it in, in, the, in your driveway, and yet you never drive it. For one reason or another, maybe it's because you didn't know it was in there. Maybe it was because you don't trust that it was real, May, or, or that, you know, that maybe it was stolen, or it's not yours, or, or whatever. For so many reasons where we doubt, God says, I have purchased peace for you. It's yours. You need to walk in it. And for one reason or another, we choose not to. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14, we're reminded by Paul that Jesus is our peace. Not only did he bring peace, but he becomes that peace for us. And that is a beautiful thing. Because then we get to that point where, if you're, if you're like me, if you've lived enough life, you know that peace can be a very elusive thing. Because just when you've gotten into a place where you feel like you've got a track, where you've got your arm around things, when you're, you're kind of ahead of the game with, you know, with your money, with your time, with your marriage, with your stuff, with the church, with all the other things that are weighing upon you, you just feel like, I'm, I'm, I, amen, I'm a step ahead of it, something happens to make your house of cards come falling down. And you begin to realize, man, and you begin to worry. You begin to, to how do I get it back? And often we go right to our strength. And as men, perhaps that is something that, that, that's unique to us. We can't stand not being in control. We can't stand to see, you know, something that's on our watch, not having, you know, a, a control of it. And so we take matters into our own hands. But Jesus is calling us to say, look, I want to make an exchange with you. I want your burden and I will give you my burden. And my burden is light, he reminds us. And so I know what the setup here is. I know what you're thinking. You're saying, but he's not going to go to work for me. I don't just stay home and he shows up, looks like me, and goes and works in my stead. He doesn't show up with a bag of money and pay all my bills. 
He doesn't do those kind of, I mean, because that's the way we're thinking. I know that's exactly how we think. We're looking for something tangible. But God says, no, I will be your peace. I will help you walk through it. You will not walk through it alone. You will not walk through it alone. And when we begin to see him there, we do begin to see his presence. We begin to see his action. We begin to see him pave the way that those steps that we inevitably have to take have been uh, made lighter. Or that God has gone before us and changed our circumstances. When we thought we were going to have a tough conversation, we find out, wow, this didn't go like I thought it was going to go. God has moved on their heart. God gave me the right words. It was just like amazing. And how did that happen? Because Jesus was there. He has become our, fee, our, our peace. He's not going to live our life for us, but he will be with us, and he will give us peace. And you know what? It's amazing is that when we walk in peace and understand it comes from God, that we begin to experience more of the supernatural. We really, really do. And I think that really comes down to so many of us is do we really believe in the supernatural? Do we really believe that Jesus is here, that he wants to work in our life, that he wants to work beyond what everybody else in the world is telling us, how to raise our kids, what to do with our money, how to live in our marriage. You know, so many of us make silly mistakes because we listen to the world and we don't listen to the Bible. When God says, look, I will lead you into an amazing amount of perfect peace if you will just do it my way. Now, not everybody else is saying that's the way to do it. And there are people that you respect and maybe even love that have gone and done it a different way. But you don't see the suffering. You just see the choices. You don't see the years down the road. And sometimes I wish we did have a little flip book, you know, of all the consequences that people have experienced in the decisions that they've made. So I can flip to it and say, okay, going into debt. Let me just see what that chapter's all about. Ooh, ouch, whoa, what? You know, I'm just going all the way through it. But it doesn't really deal out that way, does it? Unless, of course, you're mindful. Unless you're, you're, you're thinking that way. You know, again, I find that a lot of times with people as, as they raise their children. I love the scripture, and I don't talk about it much, but, <laughs> you know, my pastor did a, uh, a series many years ago, and it caught my attention big time, because it comes from a proverb, and it basically, the name of the, 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 the session was Raising Children That Will Bring You Joy, okay? And I thought to myself, well, I better dig into that a little bit more. What are they talking about? To talk to so many parents that have raised, raised children I mean, because, man, look, when they're infants and, all, and they're all there being the cute stage, oh, that's the easy stuff. You just buy them a little gift, man. You give them a little McDonald's toy, and you're good. It starts to get a little more complicated when they start growing up, and they're wanting cars and stuff, and, and, and you know, they want to do this, that, and the other. That's when what you did in those early days begins to pay off in the older days, which is the way it always works, foundation, that what you build upon. And so anyway, getting into that to just say, God, there are things that we can do that will sow those seeds of peace. And Jesus wants to help us walk through them. And here's my, my big point on that, is that when you are facing what the world says, don't trust it. Put your hope in God. Put your hope in the Prince of Peace, in the one who knows 
where it comes from, and how you get there. That's why I'm calling it a pathway to peace, my friends, because it is a pathway. It is something that we have to follow. It is step-by-step something we have to do. All right? Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So this next step is all about that we know that peace comes from God, that peace ultimately is Christ. And here is Paul saying, look, you've been justified with faith, that he has done the work inside you. Now you don't have to earn favor from God. All you have to do is listen and follow. We don't have to worry about our sin anymore. We don't have to worry about that. What we need to be concerned about is doing what he tells us to do. Because he didn't just say, okay, I'm saving you, now I'm leaving you on your own on this earth. No, no, no. He's going to save us. He's reserved a, 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 you know, a mansion for you in heaven. That's all taken care of. Name written in the Lamb's book of life. But now it's about living here that he wants to lead us into that peace. Justification brings such an amazing amount of peace upon us I love that doctrine, justification. It is so awesome. We're getting ready to study it in my class on Tuesday nights. Okay, the third step here then is God's peace must be pursued. So we know that God wants us to have it. We know that, we, uh, that Jesus is the source of peace that he is now restored to us. Now thirdly, it's more practical. It must be pursued truth and that truth affecting us and changing our life are way different things. It's like that law of reciprocity. I believe, I believe, I believe. Well, you're given? Uh, hmm. Well, no, I believe. But are you doing? See, truth does not impact us until we act upon it. Okay? So, peace in the same way must be pursued. Romans 8, 6. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. Notice the word governed. Governed. In other words, what we're going to learn in this step is that we've got to take some action. Our minds are not just out of control. We can take control of our mind by the spirit of God's help, by the way. Because really, without the spirit of God, it's a very difficult thing to do. Our mind betrays us. Things happen in our society every single day because of human beings' mind, minds betraying them. But God says that he'll help us with that. He will heal our mind, our will, our emotions. So, but, there, but what we have to do is understand that there has to be a governing agent. We need to step into the ring and say, okay, I'm not just going to let my mind just choose. I've got to get some truth in there, and I've got to now take charge of that truth, and I've got to start applying that truth. And in the end, there'll be life and there'll be peace. Psalm 34, verse 14. We're talking about pursuit, and that's exactly what it says here in Psalm 34, verse 14. It says, seek peace and pursue it. And Peter requotes that verse in chapter 3 of his epistle, of his first epistle, verse 11. We have to seek peace and pursue it. Now, he's talking about in the context of relationships, but we'll see these the, the two, most relation, uh, two most important aspects of relationships with us are our relationship with God and our relationship with people. And ultimately, folks, this is what it comes down to. 
This is where we lose more peace than anything that I have said here today, is when we fall out of fellowship with God, our creator, through Jesus Christ, or if we fall out of fellowship and we have a broken relationship with another human being, all hell breaks loose in our soul. That's what it comes down to. I mean, if we could simplify this thing. So when it comes to this pathway to peace, if we're going to pursue it, the first thing we really need to do is say, how am I doing with my relationship with God? And then examine my heart. How am I doing with the relationships with people? Am I alienated? Just recently, a brother shared with me that he had a difficult relationship with another individual, and, and he, he, you know, he let a couple of days go by, and I didn't really say much about it. I mean, I just said, you know, you might want to think about that, brother. But sure enough, when he had the opportunity, he made, went and made that right with a coworker. Coworker was blown, blown away that he would even take this, the step of, of trying to make it right in some of the things that he said. But he did. And now that alienation is gone. His heart is free. He's done. He's gotten that out of the way. And so it's not that, 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 that blight in his soul that continues to rob him of peace. We all know exactly what I'm talking about here. You know exactly what I'm talking about. You can't sleep at night because it plagues you. It's something that weighs upon you. It's sapping you of, of soul life. It's taking you peace because it's always there. And you know what causes the most energy? And, and look, I'm talking because I know exactly what happens here. I've done it many times. Is that we try to make excuses. We try to, we, 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 we go through scenarios. Well, I should have said this and I should have said that. Well, this is the way, the way it is. Well, they're going to suffer for what they did to me. And we just keep using up all of our soul resources and peace is gone. Just gone. Because we've used everything that we got to try to justify keeping that broken relationship as it is. And what we find is Paul says, if, if, it, you know, if it's within your power, be at peace with all men. Do everything you can to keep at peace. So do you think that in all that's going in our society now to stir up all the things that are going on right now and the hatred and the, the hate speech and, the, and all the backbiting and all the different things that are going on and people you know, throwing other people under the bus and calling them wicked names, do you think that's going to create any kind of peace in their life, the ones who are speaking it? No, not at all. Not at all. In Job 22, verse 21, Job says this, out of experience, submit to God and be at peace with him. In this way, prosperity will come to you. Well, that verse caught my attention, as it should yours. Because a lot of times, prosperity is cut off by our own hands, and often by our own tongue. And so he's saying here, you know, submit to God and be at peace with him. And, of course, there are things in our life that the Holy Spirit, sometimes you've got to pull away, and I hope you do, just like our video today, that if you want that peace, you've got to just pull away and breathe. And, and it's more than just breathe. You know, that's just a metaphor for, look, talk to God. Quote Psalm 139, the last few verses. Lord, search me and try me. Is there anything inside me? I mean, I know what's going on. You know, it's that soul inventory that needs to take place. We need to say, I feel chaos in my soul. I feel I'm out of rest, and I don't know exactly why, because a lot of times we're not slowing down enough to let God tell us. 
But if we will slow down and we just say, Lord, I feel a little chaotic on the inside. I feel, I, I feel like I'm out of rest. I'm, I'm emotional. I'm biting people I shouldn't bite, and I'm not loving people I should be loving, and I don't know what's going on. I'm, I'm out of sync. And we've got to take the time to say, Lord, search me, try me. What's going on inside me? What am I doing that has brought me? Watch, the Holy Spirit is faithful to tell you. And he always tells me when I come to him to say, Lord, I, I, know, I don't know what's going on here. In many ways, guys, I'll just be honest with you. I've trained myself after many years to catch it out of the chute. That's a better way to live. Instead of going months, weeks. You know? Going weeks and you, know, you're under, you don't understand why you're just not out of sync. But what we should do is just begin to recognize. In other words, to get to the point where you just say, I so desperately do not want to get out of peace that I'm jumping on it. Okay, I'm not, wait a minute. I'm getting ready to go and minister. I'm getting ready to do this, and there's something. I'm not right on it. Okay, what did I do? What did I do? What did I open? What can of worms did I open? What did I say? You know? Could be speaking harshly to a family member. It could be that I, I let a lie in. I read an article. And, 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 and often we do that, whether you be on Facebook or Instagram. My gosh, that is a, can be a cesspool of comparison. Andrew and I were talking about here, one of the biggest things that can really shut down your peace is this thing of comparison. If you don't feel good about yourself and you start looking at everybody else's lives and you perceive that their life is really going well, then you're going to do one of two things. You're either going to judge them, be envious and jealous, which is going to kill you, or you're going to go on the other side and begin to, to, to be walking in inferiority, to develop a complex of inferiority. And that means you start walking around like, well, I'm no good. I might as well just die. I might as well just not do anything. That's what comparison does without God. Paul says that's unhealthy. I'm getting off my notes here, but I'm, I mean, this is important stuff. This is important stuff. That when we compare, we are setting ourselves up. But when you come to God, God just says, I love you the way you are. I made you the way you are. And now I want you to celebrate it. Now, don't turn around on these you know, these social medias and go bragging about it. I mean, are you causing people to stumble? Especially, you know, I, <laughs> this is good. You're going to love this. This is a new thing right now. The millennials are renting planes that don't fly. They don't even fly. And they're taking selfies in front of the plane to make them think that they own a plane. It's big stuff. It's big stuff. It's actually, you know, so when you see somebody, <laughs> just know, man, they just rented the thing. They ain't going to fly it. They didn't ride on it to get where they are. Oh, come on. It's pitiful. But I have compassion because I know deep down inside, it's just people looking. They've gotten into that comparison mode, and they're trying to fill themselves up, ultimately to make them feel good about themselves and to feel at peace. And it's all just a lie, just a lie. Only comes from God. Only comes from the Son. Only comes from submitting to the Father. And he says, I will bring you peace, and then prosperity will follow you. Wouldn't you love to be chased by prosperity? Amen. Stop it. <laughs> I've had enough. Okay, I got enough money already. 
Okay, that'd be wonderful. All right. Isaiah 32, verse 17 says, The fruit of, the right, that, of that righteousness will be peace. Its effect will be quietness and confidence forever. He's speaking of the peace we now enjoy in Christ. Hebrews 13, 20, No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. So when we do get into this going and pursuing this peace, we find often that we get off, we veer off into conflict, a struggle, or, or um, worry, or anxiety, and we have to just, when we start to feel anxiety, you need to know that anxiety, catch this, anxiety is toxic. It's sin. It will destroy you. Anxiety is wrong. You'll see here no reason why, uh, in the last point here. So step four, peace must be maintained. So once you've found it, we've got to maintain it. And that's a better way. A better way is, isn't it right, you guys that work out and run, isn't it better to stay up on your, your, your stuff than to let it go? Yeah, well, I work out once a year, man. And, you know, I just work out for like, you know, 48 hours straight, and I'm good. We all know that that's stupid, Okay. But regularly maintaining our bodies, right, is better. Less energy, it's, not, it's difficult. We, our body is designed to actually work that way. So is your spirit. So peace must be maintained. Lost peace is caused by broken fellowship with God and men. Already talked about Ephesians 4, 3. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. We're talking about people now. Don't be one who stirs up discord. Be one who keeps the peace. Romans 12, 18, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. I actually jumped ahead of myself in the sermon, but that's okay. Colossians 3, 15, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace and to be thankful. That's not just finding peace from time to time. That's making a peace a matter of priority every day. Say, I'm going to live there. I'm going to live in peace. When I turn 50 years old, when I'm on sabbatical, You've heard me say it before, I'm saying it again. I'm done with anxiety. I'm done with it. I have nothing to worry about. I mean, my house might be on fire right now, Lord forbid, but it's just like, you know, I'm in his hands. Why am I going to go? What can I do? What can I add to my life with one ounce of fear, one ounce of anxiety? If I believe that my God takes care of me at every single aspect of my life, why do I ever fear why am I ever anxious? Now, you may say, well, Pastor David, you, you sound a little deluded. No. I'm a man who has come to the end of himself. And that's what I'm talking about here. It's not so much that I've discovered anything wonderful. I've gotten just sick and tired of living a different way. That's all I'm talking about. Because I'll tell you, being a pastor can kill you. I'm being serious. Being a pastor can kill you because you guys, always, you guys are not always doing what I want you to do. And you guys aren't always doing what God wants you to do. And that makes me mad. But that's okay because God loves you and I love you and you're all, you're all in, you're in his school, right? I just got to do my best to keep cheering you up. All right. Colossians 3.15, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. 
since his mem- members have won. So you've got to let it rule. Philippians 4, 6, and 7. And here's the last one. I'll end on this. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. This is my absolute new favorite verse. Been living on it, feasting on it. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, you're pretty smart. Your solution often falls outside your smartness. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Oh, that's good. That's super good. So what he's saying is, look, if I just say I'm not going to be anxious, and when that moment, okay, so I'm going to show you how you walk through this verse practically. Anxiety comes. Okay, I'm a little worried. I'm a little anxious. Maybe it's my health. Maybe it's my my money. Maybe it's something else going on. Maybe it's the workplace. I just read an article that says the the internet's or the uh, the the uh, stock market's going to explode and all money's going to go away and this that and the other thing, and all of a sudden it just starts creeping up. What I do is say, okay, no, 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 mm-mm, not going there, Lord. Guess who I just got involved, Lord. I just want to give you this right now. I have fear over this. I am concerned about my future with a future mate. I am concerned about how much money I'll have. I am concerned about my car, my stuff, my own health. I give that to you right now. I choose not to worry about it. You are my provider. You are my, you're the God who knows all things. What do you know and when did you know it? You know all things and you know it all the time. And you've always known it. Including me and every little bit of my life. When the disciples brought that up to Jesus, he said, God takes care of the sparrows. Don't you think he knows about you? And he said, and, he, and Jesus said, and this is coming from Jesus. He knows about every single hair, or lack thereof, that's on your head. Right? He knows this. Why am I worrying? But in every, say every. There's not a single situation in your life that is outside the bounds of God being able to take into hand. Even the most complex conundrums that you create or someone else creates for you, God can handle. By prayer and petition. Now that's coming to God, but also, you know, pressing God a little bit. God, need this changed. Pray, the acronym, pray until something happens. No, push, pray until something happens. Pray, petition. With thanksgiving. So in other words, don't complain to God, but then just thank, thank you, God, for taking my matter into your hands. I don't know. And, and Jesus taught us to pray. Your kingdom come, your will be done. So I don't know your will. I don't know what you got planned for me, but just need you to let you know I'm kind of struggling here. Any way that you can go before me, change the situation to get active, present your request to God. And the peace of God which transits, see, that's where it goes. Once I've shifted it over to him, what is left but the peace of God? And it says that God will give it to me. Just did it the other day. It just was awesome. I was concerned about uh, another conversation I had with another pastor. I, was, I wasn't looking forward to it. And then when it happened, it was kind of disquieting because of where it went. And then afterward, Andrew was like, how are you doing with that? And I said, I don't really know. So where did I run? I ran right to the Lord. Lord, I don't want to do with all this. So I just, I just want to give it all to you. And he says, got it. I got it in hand. And he spoke to my heart. And he said, David, everything's going to be fine. It's good. I got this. And that's all I need to hear. Because the God of peace says, I'll take it from here, David. You just 
Go on to do what you're doing. Go love your kids. Go love your wife. Go love what you do. Amen? That's how we get there. That's a pathway to peace. And he says, and the God of all peace will guard your hearts and minds in Christ. Isn't that good? Because now I'm living there. Now God, I've invited God in, and now he's my guard. And, and I really believe that once we start living at that place, that God is actually going, when he sees that we've been faithful to trust him, that he is going to be at guard to keep those things away from me. Whether it just be a conversation I don't need to have, an article I don't need to be reading, a television show I never should be watching, a movie you should never watch. All right? I'm going to let that one sit in with Halloween only a few days away. All right? You don't need to read or watch Seed of Chucky or Halloween number 25. You don't need to watch that mess. All right? <laughs> Look, Halloween is not a holiday. All right? You Christians, <laughs> I'm just playing with you. I'm no culture destroyer, but at the same time, guard your spirit, okay? All right, let's, let's, you know, there are people who take that day very, very seriously. You know what I mean? They're conjuring, stirring up things. They don't, they're, they're calling down curses upon people like you and me. We don't need to be cooperating. Make it easy for them. All right, let's stand up this morning.